Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Credit Crunch Europe uh, podcast, part of FICC Focus. Uh, podcast umbrella. This is Mahesh Bemalingam, Chief European Credit Strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence, the research arm of uh, Bloomberg LLP, arguably the largest research franchise on the street. Today, we are here to discuss our uh, investor survey for the first quarter and our near-term outlook. I have with me our uh, regular guest, George Flynn, Head of Credit at Wise Alpha and founder of European High Yield Online. Uh, but before we jump deep into the podcast, I would like to uh, bring to the attention of all our listeners, please visit BISTRTE, our dashboard on the Bloomberg Terminal, which houses all proprietary data and all our research, uh, stuff you cannot get uh, even elsewhere on the terminal in terms of uh, proprietary data. So, welcome back, George. Thank you. Good to be here. To so, kick off? Yeah, so it's been a, I have to say, it's been a bumper survey in terms of the respondents. We had a record uh, count. Yep. Uh, we more or less had every uh, fund manager on the street uh, fill. I think uh, that, I mean, we both should be very proud of, uh, you know, getting all of them to chime in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very impressed with the, uh, with the quality. Um, right, I'm going to start. So, I guess the first thing that, uh, that that we can point to is is that uh, Q1 return views are positive, and now this comes hot on the heel of a very uh, good performance in Q4. Um, so I wanted to, you know, if you could talk about sort of what drove um, the performance in Q4. Secondly, um, you know, looking at the performance we saw in Q4 and the expectations around Q1, you know. Break-evens are relatively healthy. Um, so if and when there would be a pullback, um, you know, are they healthy enough? And then the third part to this question is basically, um, you know, what's your sense of the timing around any potential pullback? Because clearly, you know, uh, people aren't seeing one in Q1. Yeah. So I think fourth quarter, we had an absolute barnstorming performance, right? So from sort of a middling year, it's it's, gone to one of the best performing years uh you know all time european high yield we ended up with you know 13 percent plus uh returns uh the fourth quarter was the bulk of the year's returns now what are the reasons for it quite a bit of it is rates by the way particularly front-end rates given expectations of rate cuts and so on particularly when the fed did the about turn mm. in middle of october yeah uh, that drove a global yields, particularly front-end yields, tighter. And remember that high yield is a front-end product. And that drove fourth quarter returns. Now, going into the first quarter, yes, our survey is saying that uh, returns are going to be positive, And we've had a great start. So, European high yield now has, has already delivered about 0.7% total return year-to-date. The excess return, the, the important story, excess return is 1.5%. Yeah. Not bad at all, huh? So the spread part, the credit part of it is actually doing very well. 
Now, the interesting bit is total returns are less than excess returns in the first quarter. I mean, until now. Why? Because once again, rates. So we've given up uh, in, uh, in terms of the rates component because, you know, the Fed has said absolutely no chance in March. We will wait and watch for May. The probability of the March cut has gone to near zero. The probability of the May cut has gone from 100% to, uh, to about like, you know, it's hovered anywhere yeah. between 60 to 75, uh, depending on what data comes out and what the Fed says. So as a result, I do believe that first quarter will be positive. But what are the chances that it is going to be barnstorming? With the sort of the Fed view, I mean, the Fed being the most important driver, uh, very likely the ECB will only follow. It will not lead uh, in terms of rate cuts. Uh, so the issue we are going to have is unless the Fed says, yeah, the timing is ripe uh, for uh, for rate cuts because inflation is uh, fully contained. Uh, that's why it, uh, today's CPI number is going to be very important now in terms of gauging what the Fed's, Fed's reaction function will be in the near term. So I do believe that, yes, Q, Q1 will be positive, but uh, will it be super positive like a Q4? Extremely unlikely. But once they do start cutting, I think uh, the rate train is going to be so fast. Uh, I mean, the market is pricing five, mm. right? Even if they do like a three and a half or so, which is some of the hawkish people on the street thinking. I mean, I'm in the sort of four camp uh, in terms of number of Fed rate cuts. That will feed into front end rates and that will help really help high yield. All of credit in general. Yeah, but but it definitely help high yield. Now, your part two of your question was on break evens. So, where are break evens now? So, if you look at if you look at total return break even, so the full uh, uh, components uh, using both yields and spreads, we are talking about two hundred and thirty six basis points. Uh, that's a lot. Now, there's about twenty basis points per month in terms of how much widening can you take. Now, in terms of historical perspective, now what I did is I widened the window to entire index history and we are talking about, you know, 72nd percentile, yep. uh, which is very high, by the way. We are yeah, talking yeah. all the way from 1999 to now. The index was born Jan 1999, now when the euro was born, by the way. And in the entire near 30-year history, we are talking uh, 72nd percentile. Which is pretty healthy. Which is pretty healthy. Now, on the excess return front, we are talking about 129 basis points excess return, and that's 58th percentile. So, there is more cushion, total return, a bit less cushion, excess return. But, interestingly, as you saw, the credit component in high yield is actually doing better than the overall yeah. uh, asset class. And do you think, um, just, just quickly, do you think that the uh, kind of hype um, so you had a very fast move in Q4 and then kind of central banks have kind of put their foot on the brake a little bit. Do you think the, the move back or the give back has been proportional or do you feel like it, you know, it, 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 it's actually not been uh, as much as it could have been? Uh, very good question. Now, we need to answer it in two parts, right? So yeah, has the give back been uh, proportional, you asked? Now, that depends on which asset class you are. So, if you are rates, you got completely uh, yeah, was, completely yeah, hammered, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? 
so rates are severely lagging in fixed income this year uh in the first quarter yep if your investment grade because your spread component is quite low you got hammered too so investment grade is running negative total returns yep um excess return is positive yeah total return is you know flatish negative uh, i mean us your high us investment grade is even more negative yeah right so it depends on where you are is it proportional i think uh, given the statements that have been said that the fact that the uh, march hike is completely wiped out of uh, the radar um, I, i have to say the front end reaction has been um, reasonably proportional the curve is expected to was expected to significantly bull steep in this year hasn't started yet yep. thanks to what they said but that game is still waiting to play out by the way once they start cutting once they start cutting and once they see inflation i mean today's cpi is expected to print below 3 so it is heading towards target territory uh which means you probably hit your targets yep. so this um, this is us we are talking about so which means there is imminent room for you to start thinking about rate cuts yep uh, and then the curve should uh, bull steepen and that should help of course rates will benefit but i think credit will benefit more and you, you uh, and you think that this is going to be as violent as it was in q4 the reaction like once once people hear the starting gun you'll get most... i think i think violent is probably the wrong word isn't it is beneficial i would say beneficial but uh, yeah fast <laughs> fast <laughs> so the thing is uh it needs to be a positive shock in terms of inflation print or fed speak right that's what we had in mid october yep now that will come if you for example see like a is like today markets are expecting 2.9% let's say it prints 2.7 that's the sort of shock you need and then you're going to get front end yeah off, front the, end off go. to the races yeah front end go and that should be significantly beneficial now one point i would like to mention is i have you know a theory of mine which i actually back tested uh, recently is in fast moves up or down of uh, gavi yields credit tends to be very positive correlated yep it's not negative so what happens is when rates are going for fast up or down doesn't matter whether it is temper tantrum then or whether it is you know uh october when the fed said you know it will require uh it'll require rate cuts because we probably hit targets or now when they're saying you know it's we, yeah, we yeah. haven't reached it yet every time there is a big reaction in rates credit spreads move in line with rates because now it becomes a fund flow game yep so flows in fixed income are swinging up and down because of that uh obviously credit is the i would say the alpha flow uh, but that dries up as well in case of negative and then is and then it flows significantly when it is positive yeah so in october from october it has been massively positive yeah no no yeah. Right. when rates are not moving up and down like that then it is negative correlation by the way for glacial slow moves negative correlation fast moves positive correlation so keep an eye on the speed of rates yep rather than level of rates and, and can you use the move index for that yeah 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 the move index is 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 a reasonably decent indicator yes perfect. rates wall perfect so 
rates wall going up means positive correlation. Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. Now, uh, on to the on to the next one. So basically, uh, portfolio positioning. Um, we've established high yield has got a little bit more expensive, um, but the underweight has actually reduced. So we've gone from sort of uh, the lows of minus 13% in the uh, history of the survey to sort of minus 7% uh, underweight. Um, should the underweight uh, be larger? I think we, we kind of know, know you can kind of guess the answer. Um, and, and, you know, what's the current cost of being on, on more underweight? Right. Now, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, people have been cautiously positive for some time. Yeah, you know, cautiously, opti <laughs> cautiously <laughs> optimistic. Cautiously <laughs> optimistic. And I think that phenomenon is continuing despite a bumper fourth quarter. Yep. And despite them believing oh, how you should be doing okay. But they still kept the underweight a little bit. Now, just to give perspective, what that is a function of what fund flows they see. You see? So we track fund flows on BASTRTE, by the way. So for 2023, high yield got about 3% of AUM whole year. Yep. Uh, so we track all high yield ETFs and all high yield funds for which there is data on the Bloomberg uh, yep, terminal. The terminal. So that's about 3% last year. The prior two years have been negative, by the way into high yield so what do we think about this year so let's take a bit of a longer term perspective i am of the belief that if the curve bull steepens there will be a lot more fund flows into high yield yep so i am of the view that we should be seeing something like five to six percent uh fund flow for the whole year yep yep right so how is how has it started for the first quarter mediocre yeah. You're close to flattish in Jan. Obviously, Feb numbers we don't have. So, in that, in such a scenario, and the fact that, and the fact that European high yield still pays 360 spread. By the way, 360 spread, 600 percent yield. It is still trading 93 price. By the way, seven seven points discount. Yep. Right, and four and a half percent current yield. It pays. It pays about 30 basis points over. US high yield and if the Fed is going to cut and the Fed is going to lead, you have the weaker dollar paradigm yep. this year, right? But that's the game yeah, across yeah. the globe. Now, yeah. that should also help us. Why? So in terms of returns in dollars or returns in euros, I mean, we have a separate question for this, US versus European high yield. You are going to have this game, the US high yield pays less and it is going to have a weaker currency. Uh, once yes, raw yield it might pay more thanks to the treasury. Yep. But once you swap, yeah, we pay a lot more, right? So given that situation, I think uh, an underweight is probably a bit of a lagging indicator. Yeah, uh, which means they have some more powder. Uh, we have that powder question later on on yeah. on cash. I would like to see this underweight positioning on cash as a positive. Yep. For further fuel going forward. Yeah, that's strong technical. Correct. Now then, um, we've talked about sort of uh, valuation. So we'll go on to the valuation question. So uh, is high yield rich or cheap? And I think the the overwhelming answer is is that it's it's got more and more expensive. So I think what 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 I'd like to know is where is it in kind of like a normalized term? So Z Z score, and then also, you know, you touched briefly on your outlook for twenty four. Um, so you can kind of tie the two together. Mm. So first question, 
uh, is high yield rich? Uh, the survey seems to say uh, it is rich. And actually, if you look at the answer, we publish a net rich uh, score and the net, net rich number has gone higher. Yep. Obviously, because of the 4Q performance. But one thing you need to realize, if you want to judge how rich, uh, there are two ways. One, you have to compare it with its peers, yeah. which we did in the last question. The other is, you need to compare it with its own volatility, so which is our Z-score. Yeah. And given that wall has been dropping, it is not as rich as you would think. Yes, spreads have compressed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I... not disagreeing. So 4Q, yes, we've compressed a lot. A lot, actually. Yeah. And even in this year, as I said, 1.5% excess return, which means spreads have compressed. So despite, you know, 360 being a lot tighter than 500 plus, where we used to be at our worst in October, we are only about 1.6 standard deviations rich. We haven't hit two. The thing is, as wall drops, you need to tighten a lot more yep. to so, look rich, right? So just to give perspective for our listeners, each standard deviation right now is about, you know, 40 to 43 basis points in high yield. That number has been coming down, by the way. Yep. So to become two standard deviations rich, like to become extreme, when I would be very happy to say that there is almost near certainty of a full uh, pullback, pull yeah. we need another 14 base points in the remainder of this month. Yep. So from now till 29th of Feb, we need another 14, 15 base points of tightening in European high yield. Yep. It can happen, can happen if the Fed or inflation print and all are in line. But if they are not, if they don't line up, it probably won't. Yep. And hence, what will happen is you will, yeah, you look rich, but you're not too rich. And for perspective, when wall is low, when rates are stable, like, you know, the period between the, uh, you know, great financial crisis to, uh, you know, all the way to yep. QE yeah, and yeah. so on, credit can stay rich for an extended period of time. So minus one and beyond, but below minus two. So it'll always be looking rich, but will no pull, no pullback. And in terms of your your outlook, where 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 did you? Yeah. Like, if I asked you to put a number on it, yeah, no, we did. So I, yeah. uh, you're not putting a gun to my head because we already published that number. So after that absolute uh, barnstorming year last year, thanks to fourth quarter, where we did like a near thirteen percent return. Uh, we published our outlook for 2024 and for high yield, we have a 6% target. Now, yep. uh, we are running at about half a percent year to date. So, you know, it's sort of, Feel, it's sort feels of, about right. yeah, it feels about right. Obviously, obviously when the Fed falls in line, quite a bit of our forecast is going to get realized quickly. Yep. And then you're going to get like a glacial uh, return period. But there will be a period when uh, the Fed turns or the inflation numbers turn uh, that you're going to realize most of the gain in a quick month or month and a half. Yep. So that is that brings me to that other point. The fact that people are underweight now is probably a positive technical at that time because people wouldn't want to miss that. Yeah, so you, it's basically it's a positive technical. Yeah, and, and I would should, like to think so. I should be supportive. And then basically, no surprises um, in terms of the key drivers. Um, so, you know, we've got rates, we've got inflation, 
then we've got earnings and supply. So two two questions is uh, one we've touched on is is kind of your view on on European and uh, U.S. central banks. Uh, and then the second one is basically on earnings because earnings comes in a third in terms of you know most important driver. Yeah, my question... it used to be number one by the way. Yeah, yeah. from number one, it's become <laughs> it's become number three now. Do you think in twenty twenty four, earnings will become uh, you know uh, important, and when when will they become important? Uh, I I think. Uh, or do you think it's basically central bank? No, central I, bank, I think two thousand twenty four is a central bank game. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I would also like to point out to our listeners, it is no longer an inflation game as well because inflation, if you look at month on month across all major economies, not just the US, US, Europe, or even the UK, the month on month is more or less sorted. is actually in uh, deflation, right? You're getting negative yep. prints. Yeah, yeah. So the year-on-year numbers are going to fall over time. I think I'm fairly comfortable with that. So the game in town is what the central banks will do. And uh, I can argue that they're at least 2 to 2.5% above what is called the neutral rate. Uh, so they have a big gap to cover. Uh, so will will earnings be the driver of returns? That is a probably a Q4 game. I think Q1, Q2, Q3 will all be central banks. Ugh. Boring. Yeah, it's not. It's not boring. <laughs> well, yeah. well, Fed speak and, and and bank speak is all. It moves the market very, very quickly. Yeah, I even, mean, even even before the decision. You you might argue that you know what is the value of uh, credit picking in such an environment? Yes, less so. Uh, strategic allocation tends to be a lot more valuable yep. than single name selection in such a period. But single name selection will be back in vogue from Q four. Yeah, uh, once the once the cuts have picked up in, in full steam. Yep. So uh, we'll just quickly touch on the uh, portfolio cash question. So basically, uh, survey says 5.1% uh, cash in portfolios. Uh, it's basically flat um, on the Q4 and slightly higher than, uh, sorry, slightly lower than the 7% uh, we saw in, in Q3. So... You know, where do you see this going? Like, again, down is is uh, the answer, but how much down? Uh, so, I, I how, think should, it, how should people think about that cash figure? I think 5% is a positive technical, as I've mentioned before. So, yes, it is not 7. So, it's not like people are mega bearish and the positioning is so light that there is so much cash ready. Yes, some of it has been put to good use, thanks to Q4. But 5% is still pretty high. Uh, I think it will probably get down to 3. Yep. Uh, once it gets to 3, I will be a bit more concerned. If it gets to 3, it means not much uh, powder. I mean, you need to realize that, you know, when people are responding, they're not going to say 0 and so on, right? So, <laughs> so I will you need to you need to take the number with a pinch of salt. So when people are saying when the average is seven, it means it is probably like a five five and a half ish. Yeah. And when it is five, it's probably a four ish. Yeah. And when it's probably a two, it means zero, right? So I'm of the view that five means we still have another two to three percent of cash to be put to use. Now to put it into perspective, take it as a ratio of the market. We are talking about 350 billion times 3%. Uh, that's about 10 billion extra powder. Yep. This is this excludes new flows. 
the new flows is another game right exactly so uh, we we spoke we spoke about the new flows so last year was 3% of aum now guess what if i i i predicted that it will be double so 6% of aum 6% of 350 is another 21 billion so 21 plus 10 31 billion yeah. that's a lot that's nice <laughs> we 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 like that um now default expectations so uh survey uh coming with uh, an expectation around 2.1 defaults and these are basically index eligible yep um in your 2024 outlook you're at 1% yep uh basically can you talk about that can you also talk about sort of the stress to stress ratio where that is yep. and how that's kind of changed from q4 and and your expectations for the for the rest of the year and why it's important in terms of predicting defaults yeah so this 2.1 i mean it always seems to be that number isn't it 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 goes it goes between <laughs> it's, it's the rating agency yeah <laughs> it, it goes between the survey consistently seems to say 1.9 to 2.3 uh when they get a bit more positive it comes down towards you know 1.9 or so yep. because I haven't seen many people confidently say zero, despite the index printing zero for quite a few quarters, right? So, where are we in reality? In reality, we are at 0.8 percent index default rate as a percentage of par, right? Now, 0.8 percent default as of now. Our forecast is about one percent, which means remember you can't be counting all the 0.8 that has happened because it's rolling 12 month. Yep. So I'm expecting about. 1% in new defaults now how many names do we see are potential default candidates that comes to about 2.1% there are about 5 to 6 names that are in uh what do i say high default risk according to the rating agencies triple c minus yep and triple c minus to d yep uh, that's about 2.1% of which i'm believing that 1% will go could go bust now what is the market pricing the market is pricing 9.2% stress plus distress stress being you know 60 to 80 price yep. and distress being below 60 price 4.3% in distress remember that 4.3% includes names like uh, you know uh, casino and so on which are yep. still in the index we've counted it yep. we counted it as a default in our 0.8% also if you look at double c to d just like stress distress the equivalent from the fundamental side not from the valuation side is looking at double c to d in the index that is also 9.2% interesting yeah yep. 9.2 whether you look at it fundamentally or valuation so 9.2% is stressed 4.3% distressed uh 2.2% high default risk names of which half i think will go half will go pop yeah okay this year this year perfect um now uh, we've touched on it a little bit but basically supply um so the the survey is expecting 14.2 uh, billion in uh supply yeah uh, i'll just let you go on this one <laughs> yeah so the thing is is 2024 the year that resurrects the high yield market why why do i say that because we, we've had an absolute disaster in 2023 and 2022 why do i say disaster the index shrank for two years in a row because there wasn't adequate supply yep so 2023 we had minus 43 billion net supply 2022 we had minus 
Q1 will always be good. New year, new allocations and so on. But the game, even last year, despite however dreadful it was, Q1 wasn't bad. Yep. But what happens is, if things are not conducive, if costs are too high, when I say costs, it is the refinancing premium. The refinancing premium is still 25 to 3% in high yield. It used to be 4 plus, by the yep. way. So it's come down. So the cost of replacing an old bond with a new bond right that is still too high we need that number to go down it will go down as Central you know yields go yeah, down yeah, yeah. the 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 fed and the ecb do their job front end yields go down and as a result high yield total yield goes down so last year that didn't happen and as a result we had a very painful q2 q3 even q4 yeah. investors did well because no supply but there wasn't much supply yep. in q4 let's see that's the other thing in european high yield right when things get tough we just shut the tap yeah it stops we just shut the tap <laughs> and because you shut the tap unlike in gavis 
you don't underperform as much right so going forward i am thinking that once the fed starts in q2 and q3 you will see the big difference from 2023 to now so q1 the delta from 23 to 24 it will be yes it will be a positive delta i'm not denying that yep but it's not going to be spectacular the spectacular delta will be in q2 q3 yeah, understood. Now, um, investors uh, strongly, strongly favor junk over uh, investment grade in, in the survey. So is this just a question of kind of, um, you know, duration carry differential? I did have a look on the on the terminal as well. And you've got the aggregate fundamentals um, for investment grade, which actually have been sort of going the wrong way, whereas high yield has been relatively stable. So, I mean, just... I'd like to understand sort of, you know, your thoughts about the uh, the overweight there and, and how, how warranted it is and the main factors that you see driving it. Right. Um, I think the main story there is the, you Race. can't, you can't argue against six and a half percent, right? Yep. Six and a half percent versus uh, investment grade paying you right now. It, and it's very exposed to rates wall as well. High yield, not as much. So the carry differential is the first thing. Yep. Exposure to rates is the second thing. But I think investment grade will start catching up, by the way, once these guys start cutting because, remember, they have higher duration. So, yes, it is affecting IG now on a total return front. Now, remember, excess returns in IG are, yep. are positive. Yep, yep. So the, on the credit component is doing fine. Uh, so in, that's a total return question we asked investors yeah. and uh, and i think the the carry alone at four and a half percent current yield while ig current yield is only like about 1.8 1.9 yeah big difference so you can't argue against that carry is one rates exposure is the other and investment grade is almost as rich as high yield by the way for its volatility it is not 1.67 it is about uh, 1.45 1.5 okay uh so by the way there one standard deviation is only 14 basis points. 14. So, 14. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, which means that half a standard deviation for them to become extreme is only 7 basis points. So, investment grade, why overweight? Uh, why are people saying junk will beat high yield? Junk will be Sorry, high junk high will beat a high grade is because of the carry. Yeah, yeah. But remember, in the other question, where we ask them to choose by real well, yeah, they want they choose IG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's a bit of a nuanced answer. <laughs> yeah, and then um, this one is quite surprising, or not surprising, but it's, I think it's a good talking point. Um, so Europe um, versus the 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 US. So basically, the survey was coming back saying investors or people taking survey, uh, you know, not so fast whether it's Europe or the US. Mm. I'm not sure that should be the case. Over to you. <laughs> If you look at that survey result, it is neck and neck. Yep. So that's why we clearly we wrote ambivalence uh, so that for it's clear for our readers and listeners. Now, do I do we believe that is justified? I have to say, why? Why are you ambivalent? Great start in euros. It is going to be a falling dollar. The credit quality of euro high yield has actually improved. You mentioned that in the previous question yep. versus IG. Shocker. The index quality in high yield has actually improved 
yep. by nearly a notch right while us high yield has been has don't been downgraded by nearly a notch i'm talking about the whole pool yeah 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 right? aggregate uh, the entire pool's rating is down by a notch equivalent and they are 30 basis points tighter right and once you swap into euros you pay much What, less yeah. so uh, why are you ambivalent versus uh, versus euros the only reason could be unless you are mega bullish oil yeah if you are very bullish oil uh because of rampant demand or because you see some supply problems in because of the middle east war that is the only scenario i see where us high yield beats euro high yeah or you my us colleagues you know they're perennial bears of course yeah, yeah. but <laughs> but obviously they have a they have a pretty bearish view on us high yield i mean if my forecast is 6 they are talking about something like 2 and 1/2 or so on us high yield uh, this is in raw dollar terms now when we map it to euro terms you know falling dollar that's going to be even less right so i i'm sort of i sort of would disagree with the survey result i, I would have to say you should be in euro high yield yeah you should be rooting for the uh, for the europeans on to the ratings relative value this is this is this is a uh, is is one that's quite interesting as well so we have got uh triple b's uh being the most uh favored um you know we've just obviously talked about investment grade being out of favor so i was wondering whether the triple b's being in favor that was basically you know sub debt um whether it's sort of banks or corporate hybrids or you know some of the more yieldy parts of investment grade um but yeah i mean what what are your thoughts about that and then maybe if you could talk about the relative value between each rating bucket as well so yeah. just just kind of cover off which so, way you see cheap in high we yield. need to put these two questions in context that prior question is total return junk versus investment grade because and that will include the carry component that will include the rates component and so on which is why they said junk because of rates wall probably this question is pure real value and the real value right now is very loud thanks to the rally from october till now in spreads all lower rated ratings are too tight to everything higher rated yep so so be, just to be, put, basically beta just is... to yeah just to put it in context single b's too tight to double b's double b's too tight to triple b's triple b's too tight to single a's so naturally investment grade spreads look cheaper to junk given too much junk tightening recently the only exception triple c's triple c's are too wide <laughs> for, <laughs> for for obvious reasons right yeah so why are people preferring investment grade uh, on a credit basis i think i can understand because the single b and double b buckets are too rich to ig yeah more importantly single b is too rich to double b so that is why they have also said within high yield double b most preferred i i agree with that yeah and 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 this kind of ties into the next uh kind of question we have on sectors but uh, you know we've been very defensive in the survey in terms of sector allocation mm. that that hasn't really changed a whole a whole bunch mm. um do you think that the ratings uh you know triple b's versus double b do you think that also ties into kind of the people are still cautiously optimistic you know that they're, they're kind of sitting on the fence looking to get off it but it's kind of very much they're waiting to see how things how things develop i think probably they they have missed some of that 
uh, steep rally that has happened in the riskier sectors. Uh, our survey respondents generally are very favorable banking and communications. Yep. Uh, they're sort of the low beta sectors. The banking part, the, the thing is you got the subject of, uh, remember, not 81. Eh? These are their legacy. Yeah, yeah. Legacy subject of some of the uh, higher rated banks, but also senior debt of some of the low rated banks. So some of the Italians and some peripheral banks, senior debt is part of higher, yeah. right? Senior, right? Protected. Uh, I'm not, I, you know, compared you're, to... You're saying free lunch. Yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say free lunch, but if you... Your face is saying free lunch. But, but if you, but if you, if you do believe that it's going to be a rate rally environment, uh, your senior debt should do, uh, should do well. If you look at your loan portfolio, uh, if inflation is dropping, if rate cuts are coming, um, what would happen to your uh, NPLs on your loan portfolio? Now, this CRE story is uh, rampant yeah. everywhere, right? I seriously think that the European banks are very, very well capitalized. It is not that 2008-2009 type story is not going to happen. I think we are we all agree. Yep. Or a 2011-12 type story is also not going to happen, right? Compared to the assets they hold, European banks, including the dodgy ones, are quite well capitalized. Which is why, by the way, you're not going to see much 81 supply as well mm -hmm. because they're too well capitalized. They don't need to issue as much. It is all replacement, right? Based on yep. call dates. So that means uh, with not much supply, with in general good environment coming up, inflation coming down, the only issue is how bad will the European, European slowdown be? Will we skirt a recession or will we hit it? As of now, it is being priced at like about 60-65%. Yep. We shall see. Uh, and the ECB generally is late to the party in terms of cutting rates. That's why I'm a bit worried on that front. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, being overweight banks compared to, let's say, the favorite underweights they seem to have, like transportation and consumer cyclical, probably right. Yep. And, and just on the US banks... Um, what what what's kind of the view from your from your colleagues? Uh, luckily, we don't have much U.S. bank uh, debt in our uh, European yeah. high yield uh, bucket. I I think the U.S. banks in general are not as well capitalized. Yep, the their numbers are lower. They haven't been forced to take the same uh, uh, steps as we have here in Europe. Now, but one thing though, in terms of uh, in terms of profitability. U.S. banks are a lot more profitable. There is, uh, it has been. There is a detailed long read on the FT about free profits that the Fed is distributing to I, to the yeah, banks yeah, yeah, at yeah. the at their funding window. If you pick fifty base points, just keep borrow and put back to the Fed. I mean, what a trade, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bigger the bigger your loan book, you can take as much from the Fed and put it back. Take from one window and put it back to the Fed. Pick 50 base point spread. You can you can easily line up your profit. So that is another reason why, I mean, of course, in addition to the U.S. economy strength, I'm not disputing that. Yeah. U.S. bank profitability is much higher than European bank profitability. Uh, will that change? Probably not for the in the near term. Is there not a risk that, that, that they kind of close that 
that that kind of fun. I don't want to say they, lo- they, I don't I don't want to say loophole. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of like a, a party for everyone, right? It's correct. Of, but <clears> the Fed is also trying to get. Uh, I think the ECBs will be probably be the first to remove the stigma of uh, borrowing uh, from these. Uh, I wouldn't call rescue facility. It's sort of a funding facility. They want to force everyone to borrow at least once yeah. in a year. Which so for that they need an incentive. So so uh, my view is that they, this sort of this facility will will gradually be shut. Probably the spread will come down as the Fed cuts mm-hmm. uh, the the benchmark interest rate. But I think it will still be there to make sure that even the blue chip bank will yep. also end up borrowing at the facility. Yep. Whether they'll put back or not is their choice depending on depending on how much spread or where if they can make more money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But they will still want them to borrow. The other, given that we are talking about the US, the other big story we need to talk is this. When rates were getting hiked, a load of money went into money market funds. I mean, there are all sorts of numbers being bandied around, you know, 7 trillion or so. Once you start cutting, Where's it going? Where is it going? Yeah, yeah. Yes, quite a bit will go to equity. I'm, I'm not. I'm not disputing that, but it will go to duration. Yep. Which means U.S. rates, of course, but then credit. Yep. So, as it goes to duration, because the cash doesn't pay much. Yeah. I think there is a lot more. Uh, what do I say? Marginal flow. I'm not counting that. No, no, no. I I'm, know. I'm not counting that in our flows. I know. But there is that as well. No, I, I was, I was, I was thinking this morning. I haven't heard, you know, reach for yield as a term in a, in a long, a long time. But kind of going through it, the survey, I was the, like, it's coming, it, it's, it's coming. coming, it's coming, it's coming, reach it's for coming. Yield. And uh, and our guys being underweight right now, will probably will have to join the party. Yep. Um, and then finally, um, just on Cocos, because I know you put something out. Yep. Um Can you just quickly sort of summarize? Uh, you know. Cocos, because I think you were saying that you know they're 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 re- lagging relatively, um, yeah, and and kind of the relative value um, that you see there, right? So, a uh, few things about Cocos. One, they are not part of the benchmark indices. Yep. Why? Because you can be written down. Anything that can be written down or converted cannot be part of uh, fixed income indices. So no cocoa is part of the high yield index and obviously the investment yeah. grade index. It's, it's a big off benchmark kind of play. Yeah, and it's not small now. It is, yeah. but that's why we are covering it. Yep. From a strategy perspective, obviously our bank analyst covers in detail single name by single name. Yep. But now it is relevant from a portfolio perspective for all our credit investors because it is two hundred billion plus. Mm-hmm. It's no joke now because if European high yield, thanks to negative net supply is only 350 and this is 250-ish. It's getting towards 250. Yeah, exactly. You will have to cover that, first thing. So, what happened in 2023? We had the banking crisis and hence, COCOs for the year have lagged. Mm-hmm. COCO spreads are one of the cheapest right now. Yep. I mean, they're rallying. It's not like they're not. They're rallying, but they are one of the cheapest volatility adjusted. It's also expensive. But it is not minus one point six seven. If you yeah, understand what I mean, expensive. it's not as expensive as rest of plain credit. Yeah. Right. So we do believe this year we do not see a four, we do not see a banking crisis coming, especially with the central bank's cutting rates, and the fact that spreads are one of the cheapest. 
and that there is going to be more fund flow through various sources, thanks to rate cuts, thanks to money market funds, thanks to bull steepening of curve, uh, thanks to powder still waiting. Yep. Uh, we do believe that cocos have more firepower. They should be above junk this year, given the lag last year. Yep. Right. Uh, they'll probably be hitting some, some number close to loans. Right. So, so you had loans at eight percent. Loans right? at eight. Yeah, so yeah. they will probably be anywhere between six, six and eight. eight. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere between six and eight. Uh, I am pretty positive, Coco. Uh, and there is not going to be much supply because we don't see banks, particularly European banks, lending left, right, and center because of constraints, because of capitalization costs, and so on. And as a result, with not much RWA growth, you're not going to see not much net supply. supply yeah, yeah. So it'll all be replacement. It won't be net supply. So uh, we have a pretty decent positive outlook and it's off to a good start. And just final, final question. The volatility differential between your, your high yield and and uh, cocos. Very good point. So we track the correlations of uh, cocoa, high yield, investment grade, bank senior. Yep. Right? Guess what? Cocoa is more correlated to high yield than bank senior. First thing. Shocker. Right, yep. you would think you would think that subordinated bank debt is more correlated to senior bank. Not true. Yep, it's more correlated to junk. That correlation is starting to increase as we rally. Uh, I think if we get to this rate cut type environment and every money is flowing in to fixed income, the correlation will go up. So, in terms of uh, in terms of real value to junk, as I said, yes, they yeah. are cheaper, uh, but correlation is increasing. Yep. Uh, 65%. Okay. Investment grade about uh, 40 to 45%. Bank senior 35 to 40% mm -hmm. correlation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, correlation tends to be very whippy in case of a crisis. Uh, so during the banking crisis time, correlation broke down. Yeah. We're not, not expecting a crisis though, right? No. It's, no. Uh, it's a... No, I think I think uh, the regulators have learned from there, and we've also stress tested Europe. Yep. Only Credit Suisse, nobody else, and even Credit Suisse wasn't like a Silicon Valley bank. Yeah, just halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, listen, that's it. So uh, from my side, I'm just going to say thank you to everyone who took the survey. Um, it's very valuable uh, for us, and we hope this is very valuable for you. Um, so thank you, and uh, I'll leave it there. So to all our uh, listeners. Thank you all uh, to listening to this episode. Uh, obviously, there'll be one more next month and so on. Every month, we'll have a Credit Crunch European version. And this month, uh, this survey, I have to say, record respondents. So please take the survey results seriously. Literally, every portfolio manager that you could think of, all large funds have filled it. And we intend to keep it that way next term. And for all portfolio managers listening to it, I'm coming to you again next quarter. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, have a good day. Please watch the CPI uh, today. It's going to be a big driver of our returns. And see you next month. Thank you.